Hey there, Michael. Hey, uh, how's it going? It's fine. What's up? Oh, the holidays, you know. Spend so much money, we're all broke. I need some cash. So, time to get the crew together. Let's do one more heist. Like, what are you gonna... What's the take? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm gonna steal your attention span. And waste your time. That's my thievery. Because <laughs> I'm not good. There's no way I could ever rob anything. I, I'm, I'm not just because I'm an idiot, because I'm also neurotic. And I would just... I'd be a mess. Well, no, no, look. You're neurotic, which looks like you're an idiot because of your neuroses you might yeah. not be an idiot but yeah it, i could it ruin, I, would, I would talk the, instant they would get me in that room and like i tell you everything I'm, i'll be like a yeah, mouth from goonies and this one time i puked your neuroses translates to the naked eye right us looking at you as idiocy but you're not an idiot you're just wrapped up in your brain yeah, so, yeah no, i know everybody tells uh, me this too every time i say i'm an idiot i don't know why it almost feels like a self-defensive thing like eventually you're gonna call oh, me an is. idiot so i call myself an idiot first so, to protect right. myself exactly <laughs> uh, you, have you ever thought of that though did you ever yeah charles manson uh ruined this word now we're taking it back idiot right now it's helter skelter but yeah anyway you ever stole anything ever yes my major heist as a child i was at a friend's house i don't know if he was a friend i don't know his name i was six years old and he had these little discs and tiddlywinks and he had a ton of them they were all over the floor and we were literally sitting on them kind of rolling around in them playing with them well i slipped one into my pocket my little um the little watch pocket on your pants the little tiny pocket in your jeans yeah yeah that one and my mom is doing the laundry and she finds this because she's emptying the pockets and she finds this and she knew that i was with this toy these little tiddlywink things and she's like Andrew, what is this? I was like, it's a tiddlywink thing. We were playing with them earlier. Why do you have it? I'm like, I don't know. Probably, I don't know. We were rolling around in it. I'm a six-year-old, like, really rationalizing this, even though I'm not telling the truth. But I'm like, it's logical. We were rolling around in it. It got in my pocket. Whatever. That makes sense. Totally. And, you, totally, right? And my mom's like, nope. You stole it. I know it. And you got to wait for your dad to get home. And then I got to whoop it. Oh. Is that the only time, really? The other times that I've ever stolen anything were accidental stealings. Where, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, accidentally, seriously. Like, okay. I'm at a Target. I'm at a Target, and there is a seemingly random tiny slinky just laying on the ground. I pick it up, and I just start messing with the slinky. And we end up leaving the store eventually, and I'm still messing with the Slinky. I go back a week later or something, and then I see that there are little tiny Slinkies being sold in boxes. This one happened to be out because somebody took it out and threw it on the ground or something. Okay. <laughs> That's what it does. So, <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, well, do I just bring it back? No. <laughs> Why didn't you just turn it, it into That's Lost weird. and Found? <laughs> right, because it wasn't like, it didn't occur to me. It didn't occur to me. I just picked the thing up and whatever. And little rubber balls like that too as well. If I find a rubber ball in a store somewhere, I pick it up typically and just bounce it around. And sometimes they just absentmindedly leave with the thing. And then I'm like, oh, I just, uh-oh. <laughs> but they're like things of no consequence. Yeah. So you know my mine's much bigger list but you know you and i had discussion um everybody if you're not into this yet we're, we're gonna be talking about heist movies but um frankly stupid heists actually yeah. so mine was kind of stupid my yeah. little heists my miniature heists right ignorant heists with uh they're stupid with my and i think you and i have had this discussion before my father is a kleptomaniac and he basically taught me that you just take stuff even if you don't even need it it's the most mind-boggling thing but i didn't know it was wrong for a really long time you know you know no that's a lie i, I even 
even did it sometimes afterwards. Like I like, oh, I deserve this. I took it from work because oh, they work me too hard and they pay me too little. Like you know, a lot of times it was just food. Like oh, I'll just take a pizza. Oh, I'll take a big bag of burgers. You know. Ah, the last thing gotcha. I ever stole was right before I got I quit the hotel that I was working at, and out of vengeance, I stole the DVD copies of uh, Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. <laughs> huh. Yeah. So I, that was almost ten years ago. So that's the last time I did it. But I it went way too long. But a lot of times when I was a kid, like I always pulled some sort of con job because I thought that was normal behavior, you know, like switching out comic books. Like I remember being in a place where I bought a comic book for a buck and when his back was turned and my friend was asking him a question, I switched it for like a $10 comic, you know, and then just kind of all he saw was the same exact sized comic in my hand, you know, and then I walked out the door with it. You know, it looked. You are a bad kid. I know, and I stole. You're a product I, I, of your environment. I Come remember on. stealing a G.I. Joe character from a friend, one of my only friends as a, a kid, for some bleeping reason. I <laughs> stole uh, Snake Eyes and Destro, and I took it over to my uncle's house, who's the same age as I am. And I was showing him, and he had a friend over there who distracted us, took him, and then, and then I I was indignant. But I had no right to be indignant because it was already stolen. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, stuff like maybe that. You, maybe you are an idiot thief. Yeah, no, there's some stuff that's really stupid. <laughs> I, I, I had emotional damage as a child. Uh, uh, just always jealous and wanting of other people's things. And two, I thought it was normal behavior to con and, and switch. You know, I just, that was what was, you know, the compulsive liar. That was a thing. That was a part of me. And it's, Well, it was because literally only a lad. You're the product of your environment. Right. Society made you that way, but your society was really your dad. Apparently. Right. I mean, he still hasn't, so, as far as I know, I haven't spoken to him in five years, but as far as I know, that's still his behavior. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Stealing ketchup packets and and uh, uh, plastic forks and spoons. Like, we don't need that. What are you putting your job at risk for this? So, yeah, it, and, wow. lot, and that's why I see a lot in these characters are these characters that are in an environment where they're raised, like, this is just normal. Or, or it's um, out of desperation. But most of the time, it's usually the idiot kind of heist movies is where they're just you know bad. well there's a ton there's a ton of heist movies right there's oh tons yeah to make you this list of... it was really hard because we also have the idiot con artist movie which is hard mm-hmm. because in order to be a con artist you have to be kind of intelligent like dirty yeah. rotten scoundrels is one where it's a juxtaposition right. of a doofus and a genius but somehow steve martin's character is still smarter than all of these people put together yeah yeah but no he's a doofus yeah a doofus doesn't mean an idiot that's true that's he's true. a doofus yeah. he's just he's, dorky and he's and uncouth the dorky Uh, He's a a savage. But like Heat or something like that or any of the Marauders or, or newer heist movies, they have humor in it, but they're not comedies. They're action movies or even your major ones. Like Logan Lucky is a redneck version of the Ocean's Eleven movies. Okay, yeah, I still haven't seen that. Everybody's appalled that I haven't seen it. All right, no, it's not an idiot movie. Okay. It it, It is Southern Charm. And they're hokey, and they're dorky, and and stuff like that. But they're not stupid. Yeah. Right? It it plays out differently than the idiot movies. Right. There was one Um, that I did suggest, but then, and this was long ago, we first started putting this stuff together like a year ago. And I rewatched it, and it's called Who's Minding the Mint from 1967. I rewatched it, and I realized, oh, they're not idiots. Most of them are extremely intelligent. It's just the situation just keeps taking these, like, would you believe this kind of turns? Like, it just, what are the chances that this would all go horrible? Things get out of hand. Right. And And a lot of it's out of hand. It's a Rube Goldberg of anything wrong can go wrong right actually that's how a lot of these are but where are we starting here what is it uh, i always wrong? like to go chronological order hit it what is it uh it's bottle rocket preparation was good you know i think that's your specialty thank you because if i said that one it would sound like bragging 
Obviously good quickness. Yeah, in and out pretty fast. Real fast. Including the coin collection and the earrings. You took the earrings, Dignan? I bought the earrings for my mother on her birthday. Maybe we should have robbed your house. You ever think of that? Three outstanding young men. Bob Maplethorpe, potential getaway driver. Go. I really want to be a part of this team. And I'm the only one with a car. That's good. That's good. Because that hits me right here. I'm Anthony. You speak English? It's amazing how close you can get to a girl when you're not allowed to talk to her. And my name's Digden, man. You in the army, yes? No, no, I just had short hair. We are a team. I, I can't focus no, unless the gun is on the table. We well, just paid for it. Shut up, man. We don't settle our problems with pugs, man. We settle them with bare knuckles and that All they ever wanted was to be wanted. Let's get lucky. Just do exactly as I say. Let's move. Come on. Get one of those bags. A bigger one, you idiot. What do you think? Don't call me an idiot, you punk. Okay, do you have a do you have bigger bags for atlases or dictionaries? Uh, sir. I'll tell you something, kid. You got the guts of a damn lion. That is Mr. Henry. Hey, Henry, how are you? He is a very talented thief. Just kidding. I don't know. Are you in? I really don't want to do this robbery, you know. Man, neither do I. They're going to keep on trying. You got it, ma'am. We know it backwards and we know it forwards because we've done the legwork and we've done the research. Until they get it right. What are you doing here? You're always at lunch now. Not always. Yes, always. Bob? On the run from Johnny Law. Did he give you the keys? Did he give you the keys? Pole vaulting, laughing gas, choppers. Can you see how incredible this is going to be? Excuse me. Are the explosives really necessary? Let me ask you, first, what do you feel about Wes Anderson's movies in general? You know, I, I consider myself a fan, but then I was looking at his filmography while I was watching this, and I was like, oh, I didn't watch that one. Definitely didn't watch that one. Uh, I don't remember that one at all. And then, you know, that like, Bob, what's the one? Uh, the Moonrise Kingdom? I really enjoyed that one. But I missed... Yeah, um, Darjeeling. I did not see Darjeeling. My sister said it was horrible. Um, I did not see... That Everybody hates that yeah, one. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still haven't seen it, because okay. at, by that point, I had been up to my eyeballs and a bunch of hipsters right. I think praising that's, that's everything the other thing. that he does. That's the other thing. I think and... I'm getting sick of his tweeness, and a lot of people are starting to mm-hmm. ape his tweeness. Yes. Like, I think I actually bailed on Aquatic Life. Like, I saw the trailer, and I was like, oh, they're playing Devo. This seems like my kind of movie. And for some reason, just like Lost in Translation, I was like, yeah, everybody's just crazy about it. I mean, I can't stop hearing about these movies. I almost don't want to see it now. And I think that's when yeah. I bailed. I only saw Moonrise Kingdom because it was just like one of the only things sitting around at my sister's house. And I was like, eh, sure, why not? And I, I don't think All I've right, seen so... a thing since his initial Moonrise is fantastic. Yeah, it's just pretty good. And uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel is also fantastic. That's his action movie, if you can. Uh, think I, of I, it I, like I feel like I saw, it, but I didn't. I must have been busy and I didn't pay attention. That's a problem with a lot of eighty okay. I have, so I don't remember. But the, the, the uh, core, like, was the first four films that he did: Royal Tenenbaums and Rushmore. Rushmore. And the Fantastic Mr. Fox and the the Darjeeling Limited. But his very first movie doesn't have most of the artifice that all of the rest of his films yeah. have. Yeah, well, I think it's a lot of it's in time and budget. He, he can't set up these huge cinematography. Kind of the thing that's become part of, what is his company, Fox Searchlight? It seems like a lot of their independent movies have that look, that feel. Well, it's James L. Brooks who 
liked the short that he shot. Okay. Uh, black and white short called Bottle Rocket that he shot that actually is just them ransacking that house at the beginning. And they're not even ransacking. They're It's like a polite robbery. Uh, and it's just that scene, but it's shot black and white, and it's actually a lot more handheld, and it's not nearly as static as most of his other films are. And James L. Brooks was like, yeah, here's some money. And so they expanded, they being Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson. They wrote the script. Mm-hmm. And they would write two more movies together, Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums, before breaking off. I don't think they broke up. I just think they had different career trajectories. Right, right. Owen Wilson still works with them and stuff like that. But when I worked at Blockbuster, I, I worked at Blockbuster starting summer... 98 and my boss Walter don't remember his last name or else I would still be in contact with him probably he was like uh, what kind of movies do you like and so I told him you know it's kind of like the typical stuff but teetering into indie and he's like okay alright so Reservoir Dogs here check this one out Bottle Rocket you'll love it and I was like well the cover of the box says Reservoir Geek <laughs> I guess that's why he said Reservoir Dogs you'll love it but I watched it and I loved it it's also a Gen X slacker movie and i'm gen x it's arguable that i was a slacker at the time you know so it really spoke to me a lot but uh, i love bottle rocket now how many times have you seen it once twice um three times a lady eh, maybe about six times my sister owned it so, so it was that that royal ton of bombs was played in the house a lot all right so we had how do you but feel I don't about that one as being played as much how do you feel about bottle rocket i'm completely fine with it in fact i enjoy it now more than i did before because there's these little nuances in the dialogue uh along with another movie we're going to discuss after this um it's, mm. it's all about the characters i i feel like there's a lot of stalling you know you know the reason why i don't like napoleon dynamite is it seems like it's purposely purposely like awkward which i don't like that forced kind of thing um well napoleon dynamite feels like what I always said. I love Napoleon Dynamite, and I won't diss it, so I disagree with you on that aspect of it, as far as the forcedness of it. But I, f- I feel like it is Wes Anderson light. Like, a lot of it feels like it's Wes Anderson, yeah. but not not pushing visually too far into it. So, I, I really do like it, and, and I will watch it again and keep laughing. Napoleon? Yeah, that's, I, that's I, haven't, I haven't seen it. Well, I think part of it is because it played for months. Months at our theater, because we were a discount theater, and we were right next to a college. And they kept that thing oh, going. Wow. I mean, it was like, God, it had been out for maybe six months. And then we did one time, just we decided instead of doing like, I think it was a $4 ticket, we did a $1 ticket. on Yeah, I don't know. It was like a $2 Tuesday or a $1 Tuesday or something like that. And uh, we only staffed two people because, ah, we'll get maybe a dozen people like usual. So you were working at the theater at the yeah. time? Yeah. And oh, okay. the line was out the door. It, it, That's the fantastic. Was packed. And I was like, it's January. This great. movie came out months ago. And, yeah. uh, you know, it has a lot of love. I haven't seen it since because it just played for so long. I got kind of sick of it. That's the same reason why I've never seen Lost in Translation. I've heard it 90 times. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. No, Lost in Translation's nice, but I, I don't get the super hubbub of it. But back to uh, uh, Napoleon for just oh, a second, right. and then we'll get okay. back to Bottle Rocket. Right. Uh, I worked at GameStop as well, and we had to play the GameStop in-store video or DVD, whatever, and I would be a rebel. And when my managers were gone, I was the top key holder. I would put in Napoleon Dynamite, and I would get customers in, enjoying the heck out of themselves in the store. Father and son would just be standing there waiting in line, and then I'd put that thing on and they would be like cracking up because (laughs) napoleon did something stupid it's like a bonding thing and i got to witness the bonding between a father and son you know multiple times while playing this stupid movie in the store uh, that i wasn't supposed to play so anyway but um yeah speaking of bottle rocket that movie is not what it seems 
It's a deep flick. It doesn't seem like it is. It's not the deepest film. It's not, you know, Solaris or something. Right. But it's, well, the thing is, is, it's sold as a heist movie, but that almost seems like just a side note. It doesn't even seem that important. It's, a, it's about these characters kind of breaking apart. You know, there, there's the Dignan. Dignan wants a crew, right? Yeah. He wants to be important. Yeah, it's like, the, it's kind of sad. He's a sad character who, yeah, like wants to be a player, is tired of being a nothing, and he drags along his friends with him. And, Anthony, Anthony just wants love. Right. And what he didn't get when he checked himself into the rehab clinic, the rehab center, whatever, in Arizona, I think, or whatever, he checked himself in there in order to just get his head straight because he was... Suicidal. He didn't ever want to, you know, do water sports ever again, and the girlfriend that he was with was just wrapped up in being affluent or whatever, and he was just like, this is lame. So he just had a somewhat nervous breakdown, but it wasn't even any, no indication that it was nervous because he's such a mellow dude. Okay. And then the uh, other guy, Robert Maplethorpe, getaway driver. <laughs> Have we ever seen this guy again? By the way, I'm curious. No, uh, yes, he. I mean, he's he's appeared in Wes Anderson stuff since, okay. but he's not an actor. Gotcha. Um, this is his first role and major role. He just wants to be part of a family because his own family, his parents are off in Europe, and his big brother, Future Man, is a big butthole and a bully. <laughs> so, <laughs> which are all funny scenes because they're played for laughs. But when you understand the characters, you really get what each of them wants and needs in their goals here. And Anthony goes along with Dignan. Robert goes along with Dignan. And their inner gang squabbles are hilarious. And they are idiots. Like, their major heist goes wrong. It goes bad. And that's how Dignan gets caught. Uh Uh-oh, I ruined it. But in the meantime, while that major heist that they screwed up, the crew with James Caan that they try to get in with, Uh if they can pull off this major heist, they'll be able to get in with him and be part of his crew. In the meantime, he's robbing Mapplethorpe's house. Like, which... (laughs) What? Like, okay. So, it's got a love story. It's got the somewhat familial uh, drama to it. But it's really uh, positively quirky. You know you say quirky now. People think, Uh you know, 500 Days of Summer or something like that. So, I love it. Yeah, you know what's funny is that these guys intentionally want to be, well, Indignant wants to be a thief. And the other guys just go along for the ride. You can see they kind of get nervous halfway through. They're like, we want to quit this. But Safe Men, these guys want absolutely nothing to do with it. And keep being forced to continue in this line of work. (laughs) They're not interested. Only because... They've been threatened with death. I think it's kind of... 1998. Yeah, these two really go Safe well men. together. And, and, and a lot of it's dialogue-based and, and, and character-based. The heist is a side note. Yeah, well, Safe Men. Sam and Eddie have come to a critical point in their musical career. We're going to get it on. We're going to turn this brother out. Yeah. The end. Yeah, put your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Let me hear you say, oh, oh, all right. But now, you crack this guy's safe, he made $36,000. Their new career choice isn't very sound. It's wide open. It's open? And it certainly isn't safe. You want to know who I work for? Me. Your big fat brain. Yeah. Really prefer people not use the fat part. Terrible things start to happen. Do you think you can pay for big fat Bernie Gale? Please get I'm going to give the two of you one week to crack three safes. Because if you don't, I'm going to kill the both of you. <laughs> now, they've got to get cracking. Three safes. Two losers. Did you think this was a positive career move? 
one week. If you don't crack the safe, I'm going to saw both your legs off, and I'm going to beat you over the head with the stumps. No chance. Let's go. You guys are breaking into my dad's safe. There's no way that you could just give us the combination. Apricot or raspberry? This man is in the mafia, Sam. He's not going to let us off the hook because we send him a basket of sundry goods. Jewish Mafia. I'm sure that's much more like a club. October Films presents a comedy. I once sold a woman a pair of exploding slacks. About two guys who are so incompetent, it's a crime. Relax, he's not gonna kill you. Shut up! Safe man. Somebody in your field, you act like a sissy. What? Is the precursor, it's the inspiration, it's the starting point of the MCU. Now, this is not my theory. This is Elby, my wife, who is sometimes uh, an infrequent frequenter on some of your shows. Right. Well, no, actually, um, she only, she's only done one. Oh, but she's done. She, she's I, done the episodes with done you two. for. No, yeah, yeah, but she's also done like a Halloween thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's in, infrequent. Okay. So she and Mike Delaney of Splat House Podcast they wrote a very in-depth article about the beginning of the MCU starting with Safe Men. And how is this? I'm not going to get it. How would I know? Well, there's Mark 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 Ruffalo, Sam Rockwell, both of them are are early, well, not early necessarily, but in the MCU. Okay. And it just gets deeper and deeper. These are the seeds of the MCU is there. Just look it up. F this movie. That's the name of the website. It's a, it's a really fun article. Okay. But safe man. Huh. This is like right before Sam Rockwell broke out. He was doing a lot of. I really enjoyed the era right before he did because what was it in two thousands when he broke out with Galaxy Quest and Charlie's Angels, right? Sure. Uh, I, yeah. I think he was. Is it? But he Ruffalo, Ruffalo also broke out. Yeah. What is he in Green Mile? I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. Um, yeah, Mark Ruffalo did. You can Saw count on me. Two thousand. Two thousand is kind of the year that a lot of these guys really broke out. Steve's on. But um, Sam Rockwell did before this. He did Box of Moonlight and Lawn Dogs and you know and Safe Men's kind of like that trilogy of really smart fun independent movies that didn't make a dime but did very well on video I'll tell you, I'll tell you Steve Zahn is the punkiest he's ever been in this movie <laughs> he's really stylish looking and he's fit well yeah, at least he's not he's the really one with cool. the fake butt <laughs> <laughs> yeah Sam wears a fake butt because he's insecure <laughs> about having a little butt so this movie two dudes who are terrible at being a musical duet are mistaken for by Paul Giamatti, whose name is Veal Chop. Fantastic. They're mistaken for two safe crackers, safe men, who are perfect at it. And one of those guys, I don't know the other guy, but one oh, of them is Mark uh, Ruffalo. Josh Pice, who <laughs> to oh, me is known yeah. for doing the voice of Raphael in the Ninja Turtle movies. Oh. Scream 3. Scream 3 is the only other thing I know him from. Ah, well, the, those two guys are incredible with their dialogue. It's really mundane dialogue. Uh, are you hungry? I'm Hamlish, Marvin Hamlish. What do you mean, <laughs> Hamlish? Yeah, he's a composer, but, you know, and so on. Um, yeah, it's it's really funny stuff and subtle. Also, Peter Dinklage shows up. Right, that was a surprise. And it, is it played? Harvey Firestein. No, is it played Peter for Dinklage? laughs based on his stature? Is that why I find it funny, which makes me feel terrible? Or is it funny because, oh, I never expected Peter Dinklage to show up as the assassin. I don't know if it's uh, if it's... Well, of course, it's 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 a short person joke. Is it? Why is it? A short, a, a short person as a hitman. Yeah, I know, but still, it, it's a short person as a hitman. He's also wants to get out and he wants to be a chef. Are our tall people the only <laughs> ones who could pull a trigger? I don't think so. I, but um, yeah, you know, they also made that character more in depth because you know uh, he could have just been that one joke, and they gave him a lot of character. Yeah, he wants to be a chef. 
He wants to get out. Yeah. But he also enjoys killing. Yeah, right. right. But he's also can he's I at least also break really a limb? Though when he realizes, oh, that's your boyfriend. Well, I can't do that. You know, like. And he shows up with a huge sledgehammer. <laughs> <He does. laughs> so there's all kinds of jokes. Yes, in the juxtaposition of his height, and it works. But also Peter Dinklage probably won't do something that he doesn't feel like doing because he thinks it's making fun of him or whatever. Right. Also, a lot of little people do these roles and it's empowering for the little person to, you know, be in a Jet Li movie and kind of get a good few licks in on Jet Li. Cradle to the Grave has this little stuntman who's a little person who's been in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh-huh. Oh, I know you're talking about. Yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah, he jumps up and kicks at Jet Li and lands a few punches and it's great. And it's un- unexpected. And it's un- unexpected because it's a little person. Yeah. But it works. So I don't think a lot of these people are so sensitive. I think the world needs to stop being so sensitive. Right. Toughen up people. You know, there's a, a, a bit in here, like you're saying, I interrupted you, sorry. Harvey Firestein is going at it with... Michael Lerner. Yeah, yeah, Michael Lerner. He always, he, I always remember him playing the Roger Ebert style character in Godzilla for some reason. But they're always going at it with each other, like trying to rob each other. But they hire these guys to rob each other. And and what is it? It's Big Fat Bernie. Bernie Gale. Bernie Gale. Big Fat Bernie Gale and Little Big Fat is having his barbecue. Little Big Fat on is one of Saturday. the funniest. It, it seems so simple, but the the alliteration of that Little Big Fat cracks me up every time. <laughs> it's just such a silly thing to think of and put on paper. All of Little Big Fat's dialogue is like, okay, sure, yes, <laughs> all right. <laughs> like, And he's always like not paying attention. Oh, no, no, hold on. I got uh, wrong. It's Little Big Fat Junior, which is like that little cherry on the top. It's <laughs> Little Big Fat Junior. It just kills me. But, um, yeah, it's yeah. all – it's uh, – it, you know, and the problem is he actually is going to kill them. He he kind of plays it light. He's just messing around, threatening them, whatever. And Paul Giovanni, but ultimately he is going to kill him if he doesn't. Wait, no, 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 no. I don't think no. It's the other one. Michael Lerner learns that they actually pulled the heist. They, they everybody pulled the heist. Look, the guys who are the real safe crackers, they bump into. The new safe men, you know, uh-huh. and then they come up with a deal, and the the deal was what was the cup, the Stanley Cup, right? Correct. Yeah, the New York Rangers. Yeah. What was it? Nineteen ninety four Stanley Cup, I think. So the Stanley Cup is in uh, Firestein's possession, so they steal it from Firestein to give to Bernie Gale's kid. But then they have Ruffalo and his dude steal it back and give it back to Firestein, so all is well. Nobody's been Bernie Gale's been crossed, but nobody's really been hurt right. by anything. But Firestein calls the hit, and that. That's oh, that's right. That's right. That's on right. Sam Rockwell and Steve Zahn, just to hurt them because you know the girl is in love with uh, Sam Rockwell. So, but yeah, those their relationship is great. Uh, all of their relationships are really fun. Yeah, it, it, the funny, you know, like I was saying, Paul Giamatti and uh, Michael Leonard's character are likable and fun. I mean, there's a scene where I mean, they, but they're also threatening. That's the weirdest thing that the game is so much dimension because there's a scene where Paul Giamatti is just playing video games with Little Big Fat and he's actually getting along with him. He's being nice to him. He's not just, he doesn't seem to be doing it just because his boss, you know, oh, I got to take care of this kid. Now he's actually like gets along with him, but he also understands the way he makes a living is by doing bad things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a really interesting scene. Like, what's the purpose for it? But it's good. It's it really shows dimension in humanity. I think that's what the purpose is for it. How does how does bad how, bad guys are people too? How does Harvey Firestein talk like that? I don't. How did he talk like this the entire time? Well, it seems like so it so hurt. he has a little bit of a flamboyance to him usually. Right. Uh, so. 
I just want to be loved. Is that so wrong? Is the skit on it right? I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up, but I didn't know if you knew Saturday Night Live well enough. Like I'm going through the season yeah. right now, but do you you remember? Yeah, is uh, uh, John Lovitz. John Lovitz. Yeah, so John Lovitz plays up the the lilt, the the effeminate nature in his voice, and when he does movies, so like in Independence Day, he's a bit like that too. But here he doesn't. He takes that that affect off of his voice, so all he has is this. <laughs> right, roughness, <laughs> and he doesn't have the lilt, and it's actually refreshing because you've always only seen him be typecast right. in that way. Andrew, Until now, Andrew, I know you're not gay, but if you were, and I was a bee, would you be attracted to me if I was a gay bee? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the sketches. He's talking to Lee Iacocca. That really hurts my throat to do. He's talking to Lee Iacocca, played by Phil Hartman, and he goes. He goes, would you like me if you were a bee and I was a bee and you were, I don't know, if we were gay bees? And he's like, and the eye Coco goes, what's a gay bee? And he goes, no, not a gay bee, a gay bee. Would you let me sting ya? Oh, gosh. <laughs> just like, is that I just so want to be loved. Is that so wrong? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, anyway, uh, that safeman's pretty great. So, so what makes uh, Safe Men a stupid duo, stupid heist movie, is that our two guys are inept at just about everything. Except talking themselves out of trouble. <laughs> that's all Yeah, that's, that's like the only good thing they, they can do. But they really, really suck at music. <laughs> See, here's the thing is, they did it right in this movie. They have the same kind of concept in Ishtar. And I, for some pe- reason, people are championing Ishtar, and I have no idea why. No, it's not. It's oh, got all those people say this. It's so long. It's so unfunny. But they take that concept where these two guys... No, I haven't, I haven't seen the championing it. Oh, I have lately. It's weird. But yeah, they're they're terrible musicians, and somehow they just keep stumbling into success. I don't know how, but it's, it's, there's reasons. But yeah, they, they do it right in Safe Men. It, it's legitimately funny. Yeah. Now I'm actually yeah, talking yeah. like Harvey Firestein. I'm going to be talking like this the rest of the time. <laughs> well, my voice is usually kind of nasally, which makes it brutal to edit episodes, but I got really sick last week, and I was, I was talking like the narrator on Law and & Order, and now my voice is like in the middle. But it was like, it was going bad. Okay, so, so admittedly, I saw a of robbers and i really really liked it and i couldn't stop laughing and chuckling but right now i can't necessarily tell you why <laughs> uh there's one scene okay so band of robbers you don't know me unless you know about me and tom sawyer where we've been what we've done together after so many years of chasing a fairy tale most people would be ready to give up but tom sawyer isn't most people Robbers, Tom? <laughs> Think of it like this. Robin Hood and his merry men. Robin from the rich, giving to the poor, keeping some money, keeping the money. By joining this band, I agree to stay loyal and not share any band secrets with others. 
If I do, I agree to have my throat cut and a curse to be put on my head forever and to be set on fire and never talked about anymore. Before we go into what's funny about it, uh, Banner Roberts is an updated version of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn with a weird twist Fantastic. because it does show you some of the story when they're kids, but the classic story that we know has been gutted and modified and forced forward in time to when they're in their 20s. Yeah, and in modern time. Correct, yes. So it's not just in their 20s and they're like in the cowboy. And it's the roaring 20s, though. <laughs> I don't even know. When, yeah. when does that take place? I can't even remember. What decade does Tom Sawyer take Yeah, I don't seven. know. I yeah. thought it was like a cowboy time. Oh. Yeah, you know, because they had Tom Sawyer show up in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's even right. Though, even though he wasn't part of the comic nope, or anything. Nope. We need a young he, kid. He, a whippersnapper. He, yeah, a young kid whippersnapper, but I think it was a good idea to, to give... Uh, Connery, somebody to work with and, and mentor. Yeah. Except Connery's a crap, and I don't like him, and he ruined that guy's career. Not the actor, but the director. Right. So that's a digression. We do this a lot. Connery's it doesn't matter. Director. No, so, I'm not yeah. apologizing ever again. Never. No. So it's Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn. It's that story. Pretty great. Yeah. All right. Next movie. <laughs> no, that's it. We're done. No, I think they flipped the characters. Like for some reason, I remember in the book that Tom Sawyer was the responsible one, and Huckleberry Finn was the irresponsible one, and then they switched it in this movie. Or did I imagine that? I don't remember so much. Maybe we shouldn't even talk about this because we watched. I watched it two months ago and uh, whatever. I know, right? It's like they switched it. Uh, damn, we're, we're irresponsible podcasters. No, yeah, what, what whatever. Oh, okay, no, so really? Look, if, look, I just want people to watch it. Yeah. So I'm not well, totally irresponsible and I'm not going to be spoiling okay. a whole lot out of this one. No, Tom Sawyer <laughs> is a criminal and he's grabbed Huckleberry Finn who is now a Who cop. is not a criminal. He's a cop. Right. Yeah. But he turns but, out to be the one who's actually up to no good. The other one wants to redeem himself. Well, I don't know this kid. Was he in Styles movie? Was he in Ouija? Uh, which Kyle Gallner? Yeah, I thought he was in Ouija. How do you say that word anyway? It doesn't look like Ouija. It looks like Ouija. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Ouija. No, he's in lots of stuff. He's in okay. Red, Wet Hot American Summer, Red Eye. Uh, I remember him in Red Eye. Red. Uh, Haunting in Connecticut. Jennifer's Body. The remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Blah. Red State, Beautiful Creatures. No. Okay, so I thought he was in Ouija. Okay, so let's start up again. All uh, right. You were saying, <laughs> no, you were saying something about one scene... Oh, really yeah, well, laughing. it's just, you, you, in the beginning, we have one that became a cop, and one became a uh, criminal, and then he goes to jail, he gets out, and then he's tangled up in it again, you know, he's got to go back into the criminal lifestyle, which is brought on by his friend, who's a cop, who has a new partner, who is, what, Becky Sue or something like that from the, the class? Becky Thatcher. Becky yeah. Thatcher. And, uh, you know, she's a cop, too, and she's really likable, by the way, I, I thought she was very enjoyable. But Isn't that Supergirl? Yes, it is. It's Supergirl. Oh, it is? You Wow, I yeah. had no idea. Most of the movie, though, focuses on these buffoons trying to commit this crime. And one of the funniest scenes is when they do the actual heist. I don't know him. But, uh, hey, how you doing? Uh, we've never met before, right? And it's like, oh, my God, just shut <laughs> up. And then put your mask on. Take your mask off. Why'd you take your mask off? Why'd you take them off? Why do you keep saying my names? Why are we all saying each other's names? It's just one of those <laughs> things that just derails so fast. It's got Hannibal Barras as one of the team members. I can't right. remember. Right. Yes. The, the guy from Criminal Minds. Matthew yeah. Gray Gubbler. That guy guy's cool i yeah. like him for the most part though it's just like the unraveling of everything it's just so funny and, and watching becky thatcher <laughs> just basically handle tom sawyer with no problem whatsoever it's just it's, it's a lot of character-based stuff too but this one i think is a little more dense in the heist part than the other two movies oh sure yeah i mean it has to focus on that stuff but to make it more modern right right but stephen lang plays engine joe this yeah i forgot about joe. that 
totally forgot. I didn't realize it was him at first. Right. So yeah, it's it's a lot. Of, I look. I'm not a, a scholar on Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn, but I could be because my parents for Christmas they got me <laughs> for no, they just like you like books on CD or audio books. Here's the Adventures of Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn with another Cliff Notes disc. Oh, like okay. <laughs> like I could be a, a scholar on it. It's so well, I haven't listened to it yet. Anyway, but yeah, I, I really do like Band of Robbers, and it is something that since my memory is so wavery on it, I can watch it again and enjoy it again. Well, I was drinking the entire time I watched it, so yeah, I don't remember anything, so I watched it. Uh, so the game by David Fincher yes. is a fantastic film, but I've watched it twice and only twice. I think. Maybe three times. No, I bought it, so I watched it three times. I watched it in the interim. And I, the second time I watched it, I realized this is no fun because I know what's happening. Yeah. I know every turn and ta- everything's happened. So then I watched it with Elby and I was like, this is fun. She has no idea what's happening. And then I can't watch it ever again. Unless I watch it with somebody who's never seen it. Yeah, it's, it's the reason why I've never seen Sixth Sense again. I watched it once for myself and watched to see what the other people's reactions were. Twice. I'm good. I never need to see it again. <laughs> right? Because... But even though it's a fantastic film, so this movie, I have no... It's just fantastic, but I don't remember a lot of it. So, I'm good. I can watch it again. Yeah. Our last film, Masterminds... They have a plan to steal $17 million. It's just not a very good one. What is taking you so long? Police are calling it one of the largest heists ever. This is a disguise I made for you. It looks like if Jesus and a cat had a baby. On September 30th. 17 million missing. I know you're just two good men doing a difficult job. Don't do the crime. Brace your boobies. What? If you can, do the crime. <laughs> Masterminds. Rated PG-13. Now, I've seen this a couple times, and each time it killed me, but, I mean, it's so funny. I just, ridiculous. The absurd stuff in it. Speaking of Napoleon Dynamite. I just watched this it. This is I by just, Jared Hess. Yeah, I Mastermind. just watched it four months ago, and I watched it again just last week, and I was like, I don't remember any of this. None of this. It's still hilarious to me. It is based on a true story. Now, we had an option to do one that was based on a true story called 30 Minutes or Less. I got to mention it, but it's based on a really tragic, dark story about a guy who was put up to he had a harness put around his head like a saw sort of thing and a shotgun shells and blew his head off eventually uh, because he didn't get there on time and the timer went off and killed him it's really messed up and how do you how do you option that or like look at a newspaper and go like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna turn that into a comedy with aziz ansara you know oh my god i had no idea well is the premise which was the 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 seed for 30 minutes or less. Well, um, who's the girl? Jesse Eisenberg. Who's the girl in that movie? Don't remember. Uh, We're not really talking about it. My hold point. On, no, no, I gotta say something real quick because we'll never talk okay. about that movie. It's not good. <laughs> uh, the girl who's the stripper who gets them to do all this. Uh, she's the one from um, Rules of Engagement. I saw her at uh, the San Luis Obispo's Target that I was working at. And I had passed her and I slowly dawned on me and I go, hey! Like it's slow mo she's passing me by. And she, and she smiles and winks and just goes, shh, like that or whatever. And I was like, cool. And then I was like, I just watched 30 Minutes or Less. I saw you naked in that. That's awkward. Uh, you said that to her? No, God, no, I did not say that to her. <laughs> no, but I thought that. I was like, oh, that's weird. A uh, customer I've seen naked. It's, it's uh, huh. Hey, just keep shopping. I'm going to go. Plus, your boyfriend's a lot bigger than me. <laughs> okay. No, it was just, I thought that was kind of funny that I had that brief moment because that's the way my brain runs. 
I just it's her name is Bianca Kajlish. Yeah. I don't think you know what's her name. Take it off the top of your head, Bianca Kajlish. Come on, I've never heard that name before in my life. Yeah, I yeah that movie's but not good. That movie's rooted in a true story. That's right? horrible. This so horrible. that's why I was like suggesting it maybe because yeah. it's, it's a bunch of idiots and they they can't get their head around things and whatever. No pun intended, but. This movie, Masterminds, is too based on a true story, and it's based on the largest heist at the time, I believe, or maybe still, of a armored vehicle ever. Now, before this, in the real world, like nine months before, somebody else pulled off a major heist similarly in Florida. Uh-huh. And these guys did this in North Carolina, I believe. Zach Galifianakis is the guy. Now, the real dude who Zach Galifianakis plays is a taller gentleman who served as the advisor <laughs> on set. So he approved... Of how they portrayed everybody in this film, which <laughs> portray them. Did he? As did he? Such just idiots. like that's a pretty big paycheck right there. I'm kinda... No, he didn't get a paycheck. No. Uh, no. No, he didn't get. Can you not profit off that? No, he didn't. No, because he was a convicted felon. You can't profit off of your crimes. So you he can't. Was just... I didn't know that. So okay, so there is no incentive for him just to go. Oh yeah, you know whatever. Do whatever you want. Just give me that paycheck. Yeah. They put him up in a hotel type of thing. <laughs> That's like it. That's crazy. So I mean, I don't know how much of this is true, and I almost don't care because it's such an entertaining story. Now this is when Jared Hess was kind of down on his luck. I think Gentleman Broncos didn't really do well. Though I like that movie. No, I like that. It's movie. a great movie, and it's it's a movie that makes me uncomfortable, which is why I really like it a lot, actually. What is it? The one he did um, after that was Don Verdine with Sam Rockwell. Don Verdine is garbage. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't even get through it. I, I got about halfway in. I was like, done. I'm just done. Masterminds was supposed to be his big comeback. It was supposed to save the studio Relativity. In fact, did you remember seeing trailers for Relativity way before it ever actually came out? I don't know. It was supposed to come out August of 2015. Then the company found out they had no more money. And mm. so they went into that whole huge court case. They tried suing Ryan Kavanaugh, saying they purposely lied and, and conned the investors out of their money so it sat in litigation they're like what do we do with all this we have all these properties so they sold off a bunch of the properties and they convinced the court to give them just enough money and just enough time to release masterminds but it was a year later so most of the money they had you know set aside for advertising was already spent so when it oh, came wow. out when it came out september 2016 they only had five million dollar budget to promote and oh. so most of that was used on online ads and so no one knew that it was even out unless you just happened to catch something online or saw one of the few brief trailers on TV. So I mean I wish this thing had more eyes on it because it's such a funny movie. Yeah, I think it made like what like twenty one million or something, but I, I don't know. It just seems like something that should have been much, much bigger. And you know, nobody's going to talk about it if they don't know it exists. Nobody's going to go see it if they don't know it exists. It's like the way it was back in the 80s. You, you, you find out about these movies that are now called classics, and you're like, this is only on 40 screens? What the hell? Huh? And then you catch it on television, and it's yeah. just like so, on some cable package or some Saturday afternoon Right, slot. and I think the reason people know Masterminds now is because it was one of those big sales to Netflix. Yeah. So, so is Masterminds is on Netflix, cute? and I still don't think people know it. Yeah. I, I don't hear a word about it, so yeah. and, I'm and glad think, to speak th of it. I think this is why uh, we're almost... 
No, we are past four years. We launched last month, four years ago. And the, the, the main point of the show was to pick up these movies that kind of pass the mainstream audiences by and champion them. And I yeah. apologize for getting away with that a lot. This <laughs> this episode, though, really... I mean, yes, Bottle Rocket, people know, Made Men is still yeah, just... Bo- yeah, Bottle Rocket, Safe Men. You keep saying yeah. Made. We always have one uh, anchor. We always have an anchor movie. But Bottle to... Rocket's got a Criterion disc, right? Yeah. And it also has an actor in common with Masterminds. That's Owen Wilson. Right, yeah. Um, and Owen Wilson here plays the main guy behind, he plays a crook, massive crook. And he's the main guy behind the whole heist, sort of. And Zach Galifianakis is the guy who pulls off the heist. <laughs> Kristen Wiig is the woman who seduces him into pulling off the heist, even though it was kind of his idea. And Jason Sudeikis plays the hitman, who has the name that they appropriated as... Zach Galifianakis's <laughs> secret, his his incognito identity it's like when he goes brothers. on the run. <laughs> no, that was not. And it is amazing and is fantastic. Now the hitman part of the story is the one that the, that part of the story is the most fabricated part. Right. The real true story didn't go down in such a way, but he did know that he had a man sent after him, and so he had to get out of Mexico. The one thing that's interesting about Kristen Wiig and Jason Sudeikis is that they don't really do mainstream movies anymore. Like, they had a few in the beginning, but then they immediately diverted off into these independent movies. So to do a studio film like this and to have it just thrown away so badly, it almost makes you think that they would get gun-shy with ever doing another studio film. Uh, and, and also, I don't want people getting duped. Jason Sudeikis is only in, what, maybe 20 minutes of this? So he, he's on the posters, one of the main cast members, but he doesn't show up until very far into the movie. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. Man, he's so funny. Jason Sudeikis is amazing. The, the sequence so funny. with that old-ass rifle, why does he even get that in the first place? And it blows up in his <laughs> because face. Because it's ridiculous. <laughs> that's why. That, that, it's ridiculous. Sir, that's not a working gun. But he says it in Spanish, so he doesn't have no idea what he's saying. No, seriously, it's just <laughs> I'll, decorative. I'll I want that gun. I want that gun right now. <laughs> It's so good. So so it's based on the 1997 Loomis Fargo and Company armored car robbery. So, and it's <laughs> I know, a true I just, story. I'm thinking, I'm so I started thinking about all the ridiculous things in this movie. Jared Hess, I mean, I'm sure it's him, but, you know, Lauren Michaels also produced this, so let's not, you know, ignore his uh, sense of humor. But there's so many things in this visually that make this so much funnier than it should be. Because, like, the ridiculous hairdos, <laughs> the fact, yes. the, the, the silly mustaches, the fact that he puts, like, what was it, a, a, a Ford Fiesta on top of monster truck wheels or something like that? It was a citation, <laughs> I think. All right, no, no. Okay, so the true story is that <laughs> Owen Wilson's character did indeed. No. Ex- no, that's true. Yes. That's no, true. I don't know about that vehicle, but I know about his expenditure. Yeah. You don't rob something and then a county over have your stash of cash and just start buying houses. Yeah. Well, I mean, they even said that I love that point where his wife, I can't remember her name, but she's from Sunny Philadelphia. She's married Kate, to uh, Charlie. Uh, oh, no, Leslie Jones no, is no, in no, this no, as no. a cop. Right. And Kate McKinnon is in it as... Right, uh, but there's Galvin a lady. There's a lady from Sunny in Philadelphia. She was the waitress in the first four or five seasons. She's married to Charlie and she, oh, Mary Elizabeth Ellis. She's amazing. Yeah, she actually drives that tipping point where everything goes wrong for Owen Wilson because she's just like, "Honey, we just need clothes. We need, what about the kids?" And they don't give a crap We're, about the kids. In fact, to, I don't think they ever they even just get go to the mall. Kids. Yeah, <laughs> the kids stay in the car. Three kids. Yeah, and the kids. Oh my God, is, did they even have a single facial reaction to anything? I was just stone for it. <laughs> 
But they come out in these ridiculous all-American clothes. They look so it looks like they came out of the Olympics. And they got yeah. bra- they both have braces on and they buy that big house and it just like it gets so excessive. Like how is it it's so obvious? There's so many things I forgot for a second that uh, we had two great cast members from Saturday Life. Actually a lot of these people are from Saturday Life. But Leslie yeah. Jones is great and he, I love that part where you go, Did she just call me sir? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's such um, a good who, movie. It's a really good movie, and I was surprised, and I'm very happy because sometimes, Michael, yeah, you suggest stuff that you don't like, and I'm like crickets over here. Yeah, well, you're like, I love it, I love it, and I'll still talk about it. It's fine. Yeah, there's a couple I times I regret. Like though. I'm like, I'm so but, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But this, I really enjoyed. Now, did you see this before I suggested it? No. Oh, my no. God. Do you it know was the a brand-new-to-me thing, and I loved it. Kate McKinnon has a scene with Kristen Wiig in the dressing room that is so ridiculous. First off, she doesn't even realize who is in there. Who just knocks on a door and asks really personal questions to someone getting dressed? If someone did that, I'd be like, could you go away, please? Uh, yeah, seriously. But then they get into a fight, and somehow Knock she, down, drag out. They get yeah. this, she has the vagisil cream, or whatever. And she's like, <laughs> as she's sprayed on her face, <laughs> what she says is one of the funniest things I've, I had to been improv. She goes, it's been discontinued, don't use it all up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's such oh. a good movie. Best scene though, best laugh though, the the, the spider. You gotta get used to eating tarantulas in the desert. You gotta build up your immune system. <laughs> oh, right. So uh, I couldn't, I could hardly watch that scene him eating the tarantula. <laughs> uh, it's like a Rocky montage of stupid crap for yeah. survival. There is, yeah, sake. there's a lot of montage in that. Uh, but you know, a lot of them are just is a visual, but take away a lot of the gags, take away a lot of the improv. There's still a really amazing story. Like just so fascinating about how all this really happened like yeah huh? what well well okay almost all of it like yeah, i yeah, said yeah. there's embellishments but, I mean, the basics, the, the, but yes the bones yeah seriously also when he finally gets the money in the car and then he gets locked in oh yeah Anyway, people watch this movie. I mean, it's really broad looking with the stupid hair and everybody is basically dressed like a southern clown. It doesn't matter. Just watch it. You know there had to be hey. tons of improv in this. Just like, Oh yeah. Just try as more, more, more than likely. All these actors are improv actors, so. Yeah, I mean, considering that I think Lorne Michaels movies where they're not based on sketches are usually better. So I'm thinking hmm. like Three Amigos, Mean Girls, this. I know there's a couple others in there, but they always seem to be like, I think tying yourself down to a one note kind of joke. Hot Rod. I think Hot Rod. Right, Hot Rod is one of his. And, I mean, with the exception of the Wayne's World's movies, I I think the ones that are actually based on sketches, they never feel like a whole world. They just feel like this one joke repeated over and over. Listen, uh, It's Pat has got to be the biggest travesty that he ever brought to the screen. Nah, not going to watch it anymore. Yeah. I I saw it once, didn't like it. Right. Not going to do it. But this, I will watch again and I will enjoy again. Good, good. good. I suggest you all watch it and enjoy it. I think that's it. Did we pad this one enough? You think it's a full yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. This was a this was a good episode because uh, I enjoyed all of them. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's kind of a comeback for us too. It's been almost three months since we've done an episode, so yeah. I don't know what we're doing next. No, I don't care. No, but is. we'll do something. We wing it. We we've been putting off that dragon episode forever and ever. Oh right, maybe that, maybe not that. I don't okay. know. We don't, we're I don't going to leave you hanging, people. All right, have a good night. Good night, everybody. Uh oh, I ruined it.